Hi, Andras Jones here with a couple of quick announcements. In August, we'll be wrapping up Season 2 of Radio 8 Ball, and I'll be coming out with my first record in quite a while. It's called All You Get, and I hope you'll check it out. This show, the great songwriters we've had as guests, and your attention have inspired me to want to do it again, so I am. And on July 25th, I'll be playing songs from the record at the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood, California, accompanied by the cats on this here episode you're about to hear. After my set, they'll be performing as the Sheriffs of Schrodingham. That's at 11 p.m. My show's at 10. That's 10 o'clock sharp at the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood, California on July 25th. If you can be there, we'll see ya. And if not, we'll miss ya. Velvet Starlings, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio, tempting fate. Wherever you are, putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select. Here with the help of our friend, Synchronicity. And now it's time for Radio 8 Ball. Give us a shake, it's the Radio 8 Ball Show. And welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, hanging out here at Starburns Industries with our musical guests, Vikram Devastali and Ross Garen. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. Also joined by their buddy, John, who doesn't have a mic, so he's just waving in the corner. <laughs> and now joining us on the line, uh, our first guest on the show, of, of many suggested by Vikram, and uh, very happy to have him here. He is the lead singer of Dust Bowl Revival and the host of Bluegrass Situations, the show on the road podcast. Welcome to Radio 8 Balls, Zach Lupitan. How are you? Hello. Good. How are you? Well, had a little breakfast. Uh... Hanging out and uh, going to play a show later in Long Beach. So ah. fun. Where are we reaching you? Home in Santa Monica. Ah, sunny Santa Monica. And you're playing Long Beach. Where you? Where you? What's the gig? We play this bizarre uh, event each year. Uh, a councilwoman uh, who's like in the Long Beach government throws like a spring city concert, and I think she maybe only knows one band in the whole LA area, <laughs> so she just keeps hiring. Our band does for revival every year for the last like five years. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice to it's nice to have that kind of loyalty from your uh, from our city officials. You know, it's good. You're, I hope uh, she moves up. I yeah. hope she moves up in the government. She runs for president one day. That's my hope. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Well, everyone else is. <laughs> right. I, I, yeah. I bet. I bet you read about you in L.A. Weekly. I mean, you never know. You never know. Best live band in L.A. 2013. Is that the yeah. year? Yeah. yeah. L.A. Weekly gave you... Uh, wow. Pretty cool. There's been many other be- better live bands since, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we still had that back then. So You still cool. own 2013, and no one can take that away from you. True. <laughs> so how do you know these these cats in the studio with us today? I've known Vikram for a long time. Uh, he has played trombone with Dust Bowl Revival many times. 
and uh, he's a dear friend, and he's a wise and talented songwriter. And uh, uh, I don't know the other guys, I don't think, but uh, hello, guys. Hey. Hello. <laughs> well, it's nice to. I'm I'm glad to have the opportunity to, opportunity to introduce you. Then, so you say Vikram has played trombone with the band. Is this true, Vikram? It's been a little while, but yes. What did you do to lose that gig? <laughs> you know, it has a lot to do with boundaries and stepping <laughs> over them. It's I don't really like to talk about it that much. Well, then I won't I, I won't press you on that one. Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, you know, I've been friends with the trumpet player in Dust Bowl Revival for 17 years. What's their name? Uh, Matt Rubin. Matt Rubin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once in a while I would I would do a gig here in town. And I think maybe a couple times we went on the road for mm. like a week at a stretch. Um, yeah. How many different acts do you, do you are in your, your rotation that you are a session player for, Vikram? That's hard to say. It's it's very mysterious the way my life works. The the phone rings and I answer it, uh, and I guess my name is in enough hats that that it all works out. Um, well, let's say in the last year, who have you toured with? The only person I've toured with in the last year has been Alex Lilly. That's all you um, need. Yeah, because I'm I'm mostly an in town guy. Got it. There's people who are in town tend to stay in town, and people who are on the road tend to like on the road a lot um, and certainly uh, Zach fits in that second category of who Zach is on the road a lot yeah he even has a show on the road so what is the what is the show on the road podcast yeah so uh, it's uh, kind of a weekly podcast that I uh, put out with different artists mostly in the folk and sort of roots world uh, where I talk to them about sort of the crazy journeys that we go on as, as artists uh, you know, and we talk about songwriting and we do, you know, some creative uh, exercises and I kind of challenge people to creative uh, adventures on the spot and then we play a song uh, and then, uh, yeah, it's kind of a weekly thing. You know, I've had some cool some cool folks I've been able to talk to. Bela Fleck was one that was really kind of a, a learning experience where you talk to some of these masters like him and you, you know, it's like a, a one-day master class and how to sort of be a professional uh, person in this world for life. You know, I think a lot of times when you're young and you're starting to write songs and go on the road, you think like, well, I don't know, you know, where this is going to take me and how long this is going to last. And you talk to some of these elder statesmen and it's like, oh, this can, this is actually something that people do as their life, you know, and that's really something that a lot of musicians don't really talk about, like how the life really happens, you know, what sort of unglamorous sides of the music business and touring and, and writing and, 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 you know, so I like to get weird with it. And uh, it's been, it's been a fun journey so far. And when you say creative games or uh, how do you describe them? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, a fiction writer first, you know, I, I, I write plays and, and some movies and stuff too. So, um, I like to force <laughs> songwriters to write like short stories on the spot with me. And, um, sometimes we'll do things like we'll call up their mom and like ask about <laughs> them getting in trouble in their childhood and how that sort of made them who they are today. 
you know, so it, it's kind of a fun way to actually get behind the curtain of some of your favorite, you know, artists. Um, because most of the time when you're talking to bands or, or, or songwriters, they're basically asked the same questions, you know, uh, you know, what kind of guitar do you play? And what's yeah. your new album about? You know, and that's, that's interesting too. But Who are your influences? Where are you more. from? Yeah. I, I'm with you. Thank you for expanding the conversation with artists beyond that. It's, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure your listeners appreciate it. I haven't heard the podcast, so now I have a new podcast to go and explore because I love listening to songwriters and musicians talk about their craft and what they do and not answer the same five questions that people who haven't done the research generally ask them. So, Zach, what are your influences? Oh, I'm sorry. Just kidding. Um, well, why don't we get into your question for the Pop Oracle, and we can uh, we can engage this this format here. What what do you got for us? What is the one thing that brings you the most joy? Now, this is a this is really a question for you. So, when you say when you say brings you, are you talking about the you like all people? Yes. Yeah, what is the what is the thing that brings the most joy right to the world? Okay. Well, now to engage the pop oracle on your behalf. I'm going to have Vikram spin the wheel of eight. Na 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 na. We love eight. Ooh, something's out of tune there. Song number 1 which is if you show me how. I'm not easy to love. Got a heart made of stone. And when push comes to shove, I'm alright on my own. But you're standing right there And you're smiling at me Got your hand in your hair Like you like what you see If you show me how Follow your lead If you show me how I am ready to bleed If you show me how I will dust off my wings and fly if you show me how I will give it a try I have been here before Used 
If You Show Me How, from Vikram Devastali and Ross Guerin. The answer to the question, what brings the most joy to the world? Asked by Zach Lupitan. Now, uh, Zach, before we get into interpreting that, let's go to the songwriters here and get a little bit of background on where that song comes from. Beautiful, beautiful song. Very... uh, Mm-hmm. And raw and I mean it was just there's so much space in it and it so it sort of felt 
dangerous and tentative and wonderful. I loved it. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, a few years back, John got a pedal steel, and uh, he was looking for some stuff to play on pedal steel. Um, and the pedal steel is a very strange instrument. If you mm-hmm. have any experience with it, it really takes some doing to figure out how all the parts work together. And so the upshot was that uh, he wanted me to write a bunch of songs that were one, four, five songs, mm-hmm. you know, that didn't have like a ton of chords, which is something that I kind of get into pretty mm-hmm. naturally. Um, and so I started uh, in the key of D and worked around the circle of fifths. And when I got to the key of F, uh, that was the song I read. <laughs> so it's interesting. Your your songwriting process is very, very different than mine. I'm always interested to meet songwriters who come at it from a different standpoint. It makes sense. You know, you're a, you're a trained musician. I am not. You are, uh, you know, you're a... So you... you come at it from this sort of craftsman kind of way. Like, I, you're not saying, oh, I wrote, a lot of times I'll have a songwriter in here, and I'm like, well, I was in this relationship, and I was thinking about this, and or there was someone who I liked, and I wrote this song. But you're saying that you came up with this very raw and emotional song more as an, as an exercise in craft than as an exercise in self-expression. Uh, Yeah, well, I think that uh, you have to... You have to break into the house somewhere, right? Sometimes you walk through the front door and sometimes you, you know, climb a tree and, like, break in the top window or something. This way of doing things is is not my usual way of doing Mm -hmm. things. Um, And also, I'm a little suspicious of any song that I write that I'm like, this is about something that just happened to me. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I want to play it for people and I want them to have an experience i want them to be able it's to get inside of it too yeah. well it's about both of us right mm-hmm. I, I don't i don't want them to feel like and there are songwriters i love who write about things that happen to them um jenny lewis is a great example of that um but that's just not the kind of songwriter that i am got it got it well it's it's whatever <laughs> however you get into that house it's, <laughs> it's it's great um so so zach what did you think about that as the answer to your question it's a it's a little bit counterintuitive i think I mean, it's, yeah so what did you think zach what's the title of the track if you show me how if you show me how yeah you know it really reminded me of uh donny hathaway's version of john lennon's jealous guy oh yeah that is crazy. I was listening to that for the first time last night. I heard that song for the first time last night. Yeah. That I mean that that's one of the most I mean, probably one of my top five covers of all time. You so know, like, good. Tough to beat. And and there's like the the sort of vulnerability and like the sort of tension in his voice, especially it's like going to the seven chords that you go to. You know, mm. it's very uh kind of raises the, the the hair on the back of your neck, hmm. you know, a little bit. Like, um, and that's that's sort of the amazing thing about, yeah, three chord songs. It's like a million people could write a three chord song, but like the combination and the leading tones into the four chord, you're just like, oh God, give me that, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very, very churchy. <laughs> and that that sort of 
that brings me joy. Like honestly, a seven, that type of, of yearning aching type song, you know, uh, it's timeless and it just feels like it could have been written in the, you know, cafe in the village in New York in the sixties or right now. And that's, that's my favorite, honestly, one of my favorite things when a song can feel like it could exist at any point of time. Thanks, man. Well, I had a couple of ideas about how that relates to the question. First of all, immediately what I thought was, if you show me how, the idea of what brings the most joy is having someone care, care enough to give you new information, to teach you, to be, in, to be learning from someone. And then when you told the story about it, I thought, oh, well, to, be in, to, to use your art to be in service to your friend... Like, oh, would you write a, would you write a bunch of songs that you, you wouldn't usually write so that I can learn this new instrument? So to be in service to your friend in that way, but doing something that you love doing. Like, so not only are you being able to be in the place of sort of the bodhisattva place of helping and supporting your friend, but you're getting to do the thing that you like to do anyway. So it's sort of like he's doing you a favor by asking you to do him a favor. That's the way I feel about it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... It's a very, you know, we live in a, a sometimes cynical town, um, but uh, that's a very special kind of conversation that we get to have with each other because we're musicians. Mm -hmm. Other people don't speak that language. And so in my mind, you know, whenever someone wants to have that conversation, I'm like, yeah, great, let's do it. And certainly when it's someone that I'm as close to uh, as John, it just makes it that much more special. And I would say that, you know, this can be a a, a difficult thing to, to nail down, but uh, one of the things I associate this song with is that feeling, maybe for the first time, of writing something and stepping away from the desk and being like, that was good. <laughs> and then And then having that borne out by my experience of actually playing it for people. Because mm -hmm. you never know, like, sometimes you write something and you think it's the best thing ever, and, and then you play it for people, and they're like, um, no. <laughs> That's when you need new people. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need that too, right? You need people to, like, keep you in line. Um, but to have that experience of writing it and knowing it was good, and then to have that confirmed by people. And to this day, you know... I play that song in various contexts, and it always goes over. Yeah. Um, so. It definitely, when you bring it down to that place, it definitely grabs your attention. You're just sort of there singing so raw. So it, yeah, it and so that, that, brings, not to... that brings me a lot of joy to know that, like, that's something that I, I work towards being able to do that, and, and once in a while... <laughs> I'm able to actually accomplish it. And the I would the song even though it's not inspired by something in your life, it does seem like it's kind of the song is kind of a boundary conversation. Like I'm not easy to love, but if you show like if you tell me if you show me how you like to be loved, then I can I can learn how to do that. Well, it's the the boundary viewed from the other side, right? It's not cuz there are plenty of songs about inviting someone to transgress your yeah, boundaries right but instead to say like help me break help me break out of my own not like in a in a violent way but just like i'm i'm in this certain way of thinking and i i i function 
that way. Mm-hmm. But I can imagine functioning differently. Right. And maybe you can show me how to do that. Um, yeah. Well, Zach, with all of our ramblings here, did, is there any other little nuggets of interpretation that that strike you? Um, well, and I think I think writing a song for uh, about a feeling, you know, is something that's like I think a really cool experiment that I think all all songwriters should try at some time because I think, yeah, like Vikram said, a lot of times it's easy to get sort of super self-involved and be like, how is this song going to help me process the breakup I had or, uh, you know, express my feeling of angst with my mother or something, you know? Uh, whereas I think the, the, the type of songwriting that is about almost, yeah, like how do how do we emphasize the the lilting ache of the pedal steel? You know. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's an interesting. That's an interesting experiment because you're, you're writing songs and chord, you know, with, with words and chords, but also you're not sometimes thinking as like how is this going to sound as a whole? You know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really cool way that, you know, maybe, yeah, a more musically uh, composition-based songwriter comes at it, whereas I think I'm probably on more on your page where I'm coming almost immediately from the lyric and the storytelling, and then the music is almost like, oh, yeah, there's also music, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I've I've never heard the, the... the metaphor of breaking into a house applied to a song, but now I love it. <laughs> I love it. So whatever, way, yeah, whatever way you can get in there, uh, as long as the res- you know, as long as the result is something that I want to listen to. Yeah, I mean great. the regular way is good too, but you know sometimes you forget your keys. Yeah, can't just, and, can't just sleep on the porch. And well, I mean it to sort of, but the metaphor busts down. But the thing is that. Every like the regular way is different for everyone. Like your That's regular true. way is to climb in through the window in a way. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe my regular way. It's I guess it the door is the door is shifting for every songwriter. For me, it's an experience and just like as as uh as we were just being told, like the idea of like, oh, I'm just, it comes from a feeling and a lyric, and then oh yeah, I'm gonna start using my my guitar almost like it's a typewriter. Like just if I bang on it enough, some I'll find a melody or, and I'll find my way towards the song in it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think this. Is, I think we got. I think there's a lot there. It's again really counterintuitive. As soon as you started playing, like how does this song relate to joy? Right. This is <laughs> that's what, that's what I really want. That's really what I want listeners to be thinking when they listen to any of our songs. How does this <laughs> relate to joy? Bad song. Sad songs bring us sometimes the most joy. It's but, true. You know. That's true. And it, singing a sad song can be a really joyful experience. And, and singing singing the blues can take your blues away. Indeed. Indeed. That's what I've been told. So, Zach, this, uh, this segment's going to be coming out in uh, mid-June. Any shows or tours we should let people know about coming up? Uh, yeah, June is kind of the first big tour of the year for Dust Bowl Revival. Uh, we'll be going uh, kind of hither and yon, really. We'll, we'll be starting in beautiful Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on the 14th, 
um, and we're playing this pretty epic festival called Mountain Jam in, in upstate New York, actually, on the grounds of the original Woodstock um, 50 years later. Good old um, Max um, Yasker's farm. Yes, uh, it's going to be fun. Um, and then we kind of do some stuff in New England uh, and um, go across to the Midwest, play in Ohio, and we end at this other crazy festival called Romp Fest in Owensboro, Kentucky, where they uh, they put you, uh, if you play the late night set like they, they booked us for, uh, they put you basically on the porch of a cabin in the middle of the woods, and then everyone gathers around, and it's a bit frightening, but also very fun. And it's called Ronk Fest? Romp. Uh, Romp. MP. I was like, yeah. Dave Van Ronk has his own <laughs> festival. That's pretty cool. That would be I would call it Van Ronk Fest, personally. Yeah. But Romp Fest. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Well, and uh, if it's okay, I'd love it. If you if you have a, an MP3 of your music, you can send me. I'll throw it on the end of this podcast so people who are listening to this can hear your song momentarily. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andros Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio 8 Ball
Up for me. 